before church. Um, someone was seeming a little stressed, and, and I heard somebody else say, Don't have a heart attack. Save that for the sermon. <laughs> Here, this morning, I heard that. I really don't mean to stress you all out that much. <laughs> Mohandas Gandhi said, What is true for the individual will be tomorrow true for the world. The whole nation, of, if individuals, if but refuse to lose heart and hope. This past week, I had lunch with a minister from the United Church of Christ. She had just recently moved to town and wanted to connect with other female ministers and perhaps rabbis from this area. While in Shreveport, there are no churches called, there are churches called Church of Christ. There are no United Churches of Christ. Uh, I mentioned at lunch that I knew that Unitarian Universalists and the United Church of Christ had worked together to formulate the Our Whole Lives curricula, uh, one of which we're trying to shape a class up for. Boy, that was two prepositions at the end of the sentence. Um, and if you and it's it's a high school age group and if you have anyone that that's interested in that um, Susan Caldwell Radra Hall who I think must be teaching because she was here earlier and uh, Clay Walker can give you information about that Um, anyway it's for high school ages I said I knew we had OWL in common and the United Church of Christ was pretty progressive compared to, a, you know, any number of other faiths. And she said that UCC also takes pretty universalist views um, about salvation. And in other words, there's no real notion of people winding up in hell. And then she went on to say that the joke is that UCC really stands for Unitarians Considering Christ. (laughs) I really enjoyed that one. No hell. Have you noticed that a good number of faith traditions seem to be making that a less popular topic than it once was? At least half of the televangelists are are not shaking fists and condemning people anymore. Their entire programs are built around hope. Of course, there are still some that point to damnation and spend a good bit of their time pointing out what's wrong with humankind especially some particular variables in humankind. Uh, They seem to fervently focus on what they believe people ought not to do and to foster fear of noncompliance as they paint this image of God that is strict 
and vengeful. But these groups are diminishing in number. We might see Joel Osteen. Come on. He talks about how good God is and how much good God wants for other people. And week after week tells people all the reasons they have to be hopeful. Now, candidly, he will still say, I don't think homosexuality is how God intends it to be. But he doesn't really preach about that. His words set the direction of our lives on not giving up before the miracles. There's still a large measure of traditional Christian language in the things that he talks about, but uh, in his sermons, the underlying principles are pretty much things that we could support, I think. And I'm sure that Mr. Osteen would quote something from the Bible, for instance, the passage from Romans that all things work together for good for those who love God. And he would very strongly advocate that we put our faith in something completely outside of ourselves. Even though about one-third of the world identifies as Christian, there seem to be a lot of things that aren't working together for good right now. Not to say that ultimately that won't be the case, but so if a third of the world is putting all of their faith in something outside of themselves and the results that we see before us are what's come of it, where is the hope? What is the hope that we offer? Huxley, who I quoted earlier, would emphasize that because we're estranged from our own divine nature, we fail to cooperate with the Tao or the Logos or whatever term you may use uh, referring to the ultimate harmony. Instead, we try to, this is a quote, instead we try to dominate and exploit. We waste the earth's mineral resources, ruin its soil, ravage its forests, pour filth into its rivers, and poisonous fumes into its air. Now we can choose to live as deeply or as superficially as we want. But the balance that will affect our happiness 
our contentment and peace of mind, or spiritual well-being, if you will, awaits us on what Parker Palmer called that pilgrimage, which is the journey, right? Our individual authentic natures, who we really are, when we're not hiding from ourselves or denying ourselves, already exists. And in that place, we're in harmony with this planet, with the people around us, with our talents and our passions, with the creative power of life, that in which we live and move and have our being. Anne Lamott said, hope begins in the dark. The stubborn hope that if you just show up and try to do the right thing, the dawn will come. Like the first part of John Murray's quote I used for the chalice lighting, um, it said, you may possess but a small light. Uncover it. Let it shine. Use it in order to bring more light and understanding to the hearts and minds of men and women. The other night, when there was a bright full moon and wondrously pleasant temperature, I took one of our dogs out for a walk. This is a route that I've traveled any number of times at night. And on this particular night... I saw a movement on the ground out the corner of my eye that was unexpected and I, it made me turn suddenly and I looked um, and stood there for a minute checking around, assessing the, the environment and when I felt sure there was nothing there I walked on Within a few steps, I began to realize that I had two shadows. The one I was accustomed to seeing on my walk, which was from the streetlights. But the moon was so bright that it had made another shadow. So as the my shadow moved with the streetlights, it crossed the path of the moon shadow and made a dark spot that was apparent out my peripheral vision. Sometimes there is so much artificial light that it's hard to tell where the natural light is, right? Sometimes there are so many spotlights or neon lights, or just maybe even daylight, which is natural light, but it's not ours, that it's hard to find our own light. The 
Do you know that it's there? Do you feel that part of yourself? Can you tell it's there? Even if we don't care to go any deeper than we feel we already have. I believe in very real ways that the hope of the world rests in each of us as individuals. And I know that significant changes can occur as the, re- as the result of relatively small adjustments in ourselves. It's in family or group systems therapy, we're told that if you go for trying to change someone else, all it does is reinforce the behavior that's already there. It's like um, saying, don't think about gold when you're stirring dirty dishwater and it will turn exactly a hundred times and it will turn into gold. Now, how are you going to stir the dishwater exactly a hundred times expecting gold and not think about gold? Focusing on something in a negative way is still focusing on it. So these, these systems, these uh, models tell us if we change something about the way we behave, it changes the system. If we do something that we might consider a bit out of character for ourselves, it makes the system have to do some adapting. In that way, we have tremendous effect on everything that we're in relationship with. And they don't have to be large changes. They may be things as simple as the, the words we use when we greet people or the route we take traveling to work. And I know those are uh, kind of simple simple-minded ideas. But the most dramatic, far-reaching, long-lasting changes we can make are the result of changes that we make in ourselves. Do you remember the Chinese proverb um, that sweet honey in the rock has a song that we use sometimes here at the church. Um, I don't see lots of nodding heads, so you want to... It's short. Where there is light in the soul, there is beauty in the person Where there is beauty in the person, there is harmony in the home. Where there is harmony in the home. 
is honor in the nation where there is honor in the nation there is peace in the world when i look at the words give them not hell but hope i start asking questions maybe i should ask fewer questions um who are the who are the them that we're supposed to be giving this hope to and what is the hope that we have to share um I think I addressed part of what the hope is by saying we believe ourselves to have agency in the process of having things work together for good. We're contributors to that creative process. John Murray, who Susan spoke about with the children, um, you know, in, in the quote to him, The hell was the one that the Christian uh, literalists were trying to keep people from going to. As universalists, um, we don't have that hell to give anybody anyway. We do sometimes say, give them hell. But, uh, I don't know who the um is in that either. But, uh, but as there's a man named Gordon McKeeman who wrote, Universalists believe that all of us are going to end up together in heaven anyway, so we might as well learn how to get along now. If we're willing... If we are strong, which may be paradoxically being open and vulnerable, if we are willing, we can share hope with one another and offer hope to one another. But since we cannot give anything to anyone that they cannot receive, these have to be relationships either with people we know or people that trust us or people with whom we can communicate well enough that they can accept what we share. And we also have to be ready to accept what they share. There are lots of folks that it's challenging to try to understand. And that's true for anyone. If we don't understand why people believe and the things they believe or behave the way they behave why in the world do we think we can change what they believe 
or the way they behave. The them is anyone. The them is everyone. The them is us. It's the people sitting beside you. It's the people that you don't know yet that are in here. It's your neighbors, your family. Uh, Michelle Bachman. There are ways to, there are models that can help us understand people's positions better if we're willing to learn them. The hope, the hope is our truth that none of us is unlovable. Each of us is lovable. None of us is unworthy. Each of us, each human being, everyone is worthy and deserving of love. None of us is beyond redemption. For no one is it too late. Every place we put our foot is a pathway home. The pathway that can lead eventually to peace. We all have choices. We can make those paths long and meandering. Or we can make them shorter, I think. There's more love right here. There is more hope right here. There is more peace to be had right here. We have hope. We are hope. Let us give them hope.